This is Self Care U with Scott, and today on the show we have a chance to sit down with professional corporate trainer Bruce Mayhew. Leadership development, motivational and team building strategies, email etiquette training, and generational differences are some of the topics that Bruce and his team at BMC offer the corporate world across North America. Bruce started his career with Scotiabank, designing and developing corporate marketing strategies, merger integration, along with training the national sales team. And if all that wasn't enough, he's a part-time spin instructor. Today, we have a chance to level up our podcast and have a conversation with an industry-leading professional development trainer and executive coach. This is Self Care U, and we're about to level up with Bruce Mayhew. What's good, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Self Care U. Millions of people around the world struggle every day with business practices, whether it be email etiquette or conflict resolution or generational differences. We are lucky to have one of the best consultants the country has to offer, Bruce Mayhew, on the podcast today. We are excited to have this conversation, so let's just jump right into it with Bruce Mayhew Consulting. Today we have the opportunity to sit down with Bruce Mayhew from Bruce Mayhew Consulting. Bruce, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thanks, Scott. Well, Bruce, it's great to hear from you. How's life with COVID? Are you doing all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm a, uh, as much as I love public speaking and being in front of people, I am an introvert by, by natural nature kind of stuff. And so being alone and being on my own, you know, just sort of hanging out on my own is, is okay for me. I really like it. It's, it's a good way for me to keep my head clear, to think through things and, and to keep moving on. Right. I'm, I'm the exact opposite. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big basketball coach in this community. I'm out of the house every night, you know, whether it's coaching basketball, whether it's, you know, working on my public speaking, whatever it may be. So being at home all the time is a little bit different for me. So I'm in a little bit of uh, a different feeling. That's for sure. Bruce, I'm really interested in hearing about your journey. You have a great career and I'm hoping maybe you could give us a little bit of a backstory of how your career started. Sure. As a youngster, I, never really knew what I wanted to do. And I was always confused about what direction I wanted to go in because I, I kind of always wanted to go in every direction. I'd see something and go, hey, uh, that looks really interesting. And hey, that looks really interesting. And that was part of my, my whole adolescence was just uh, being really confused. And I, and I remember being really close to uh, a family member who knew immediately when he was like in his early teens that he wanted to be a, an accountant. And, you know, that was his direction all the way through. And, and I always envied him about that. So I always felt, felt lost. But what I did was I just kept exploring. I kept just sort of chasing the little interests that I had. And eventually it led me to, to where my focus really needed to be. That's my the, the front end of the story. Right. So you mentioned, you know, marketing seemed like a good fit for you for a while. Fundraising seemed like a good fit for a while. And now you've developed to be what I think is an elite trainer slash coaching consultant in our country. And, and you've maybe found your element. Is that safe to say? 
Yeah, I really, I really like what I do now. And I feel like I make a really great connection with my clients. That's an important aspect for me that I, I really add to their existence, right? I try to give people clarity. And I think it's because I was so unclear as I, <laughs> in my youth, I really understand what it's like to, to sort of have that, that haze around you. So when I talk to people, I really try to clear the haze. I try to bring it down to simple terms that the average person can really uh, believe and feel within themselves. So that, yeah, I, I, I really think it, I, I really think that that matters for me. Bruce Mayhew Consulting is in the people business. So what does that mean to you? I try to make people better people. And, and I do it from a, of course, in the corporate environment. So hired by companies to go in and work with their teams to help them communicate better, to work better together, to uh, embody time management differently, to become better leaders. But I also like to work with the individual. And because I think no matter what I do, if I, if I only take the corporate approach, it's only going to serve half the solution, right? So I have to actually make people better people, right? So I, I want people to, to be able to take what I, what I teach them and, and use it at work. But I also want to make sure that they can use that at home and use it with their kids or, or, or however, whatever situation they're, they're at, right? So right. I, I really try to make people understand who they are. The same way that I was lost <laughs> I wish I had somebody that helped me. I, that's what I try to do uh, within the training that I do now. Right. And I'm sure that people that sit in your room are looking for that ROI, right? That return on investment. Like what is Bruce going to give me that is not necessarily going to help me every single day at my job. Although that's why we're here, most likely because your business has hired you to train individuals or employees, but also how that's going to affect me outside work. How am I going to be able to benefit that and use that as tools you know, my work is great. They give me the ability to take courses left, right, and center. And it helps you grow and understand, you know, just how you can be not only as a colleague, but as a person, right? And some of those skills you mentioned, you know, communicate better, write better emails, listen. These are things that I imagine are some of the big things on the list that are, you know, probably not done correctly. Am I am I on the right path there? Absolutely. You know, there's there's a lot of of things that we do when we when we're running through our daily existence that we're probably not doing really really well and and I find that really like funny odd right like we we go through school and we get lots of training to be an accountant or to be a fireman or a fire person or what whatever our career is we get a lot of training on how to do that but we're not actually trained on how to be at our job right so we're not we're most of us aren't ever trained on how to write a really effective email right a lot of us aren't taught how to actually manage our time well or how to have an uncomfortable conversation and for everybody in that conversation to be to feel safe and, and that's what I try to do is that I work in that soft skills world where I try to give people the tools to be better people. Right. Well, self-care <laughs> you is, is about that. Self-care you is about promoting positivity and making sure that you're positive in every element or opportunity that you're presented with. 
one of the big things that I was really interested in when reading some of your information was, you know, conversations with a sense of positivity and not dread. And you just mentioned it there, but going into a conversation and really being positive about it and not being like, man, my manager's really out to get me here. Like uh, this is going to be bad from the start. We believe in lots of things with self-care you about, you know, making sure you speak it into existence and really believe in yourself and make sure that you present yourself coming in positive because those that's all you can get back. Right. I'm interested to just kind of see how you navigate that topic. That uh, I really sort of tap into in, in basically the way that I, I, I live, but also the way some of the conversations that I, uh, I use within a training environment. Uh, so let me give you two examples of that. And, and one that really struck home to me and, I, and was a profound moment. You know, people talk about profound moments and, and I kind of laugh at that. But there was one that I had uh, a, a long time ago. And I, I remember... I, I uh, it was when I worked for one of the big banks and I had a great job. Uh, they had sent me out to Vancouver to do some, some work out in Vancouver for a couple months. So they, I was living out in Vancouver and I remember uh, it was a beautiful day. I was in the car that they had given me and I remember it being at a red light and somebody was crossing the street in front of me. And they were about two seconds slower than the light, right? So right. my light turned green, but they were still standing in front of my car crossing the street. And I remember literally screaming at them. Uh, and of course they couldn't hear me because I was inside the car. And then immediately after that, I thought, why am I so upset with this, right? That I, I'm, in, I'm in this great job and in this great town why can't I just look at everything that's positive? And that was a profound moment for me. And, and all we had to do is turn the tide on that, on that moment. And I could have had a wonderful day, but instead I was choosing to have a really terrible moment. Right. Right. And I think that, I think we just need to give ourselves a little bit of a break every once in a while and get out of our heads and appreciate the stuff that's around us. And I take that same approach now when I, do difficult conversations training, where if we can go into a conversation that might be a little uncomfortable and just say, you know, it's, it, yeah, this is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm here because I want our relationship to be better, not worse. I want to have a conversation and I want to tell you that I want to have this conversation because I want to stay married to you for the next 15 years right. or, or I want to work with you really harmoniously and get this project done. And if that is my intention going into the, the, the conversation, then it's likely that we're going to have an okay conversation. Right. And just being prepared for it positively. You know, I, at some point in my career also had a paradigm shift where I started really paying attention to opportunity. You know, I'm going into this room and I have an opportunity to express my feelings or let someone know what I'm doing or whatever the problem is. I have an opportunity to make sure that that has a positive element. And I think too many times some people go in there with, you know, this is it. It's a uh, fight or flight. It's just me and them, right? When really your managers are there to, or supervisors are there to help you. They went through the training process with you. They went through the hiring process. You're their candidate. They want you to succeed. And if you came at it with a positive attitude, uh, you're going to do better. That's, that's exactly how I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you're lucky enough to have people around you that, that tap into that energy, then that's great. Like every once in a while, you're going to have somebody that 
that's in it all for my, me, right? It's all about me, me, me. And you have to work around them in a different way. But uh, if you give off positivity, Scott, the same way that you're, you're talking now, if you, if you go into situations saying, hey, I have an idea, not, a, not hey, I have a, a decision, right, yeah. <laughs> um, then people are open to hearing that, right? And, and they're likely to give back that same stuff. One of the things that you've mentioned to me before, too, is generational differences. I'm really intrigued by this. And Obviously, we know what it means roughly, you know, millennials versus baby boomers or whatever generational gap we're talking about. But I know you have a, a more in-depth detail to this, and I was hoping you could share that. Sure. And it's a great topic. So I, I became interested in generational differences because I, uh, in the work that I was doing around leadership and time management and, and communication, there was a whole bunch of people that kept beating up on millennials and like they were lazy and they were entitled and all this kind of stuff. And I, I rarely had that kind of an experience working with, with a millennial. So I did, I started doing an awful lot of research around it. And so what I actually do nowadays is give a generational differences training workshop where I talk about all the different generations. It's, it's really interesting because I think the, the generational component only amplifies the way that we all communicate differently. So it's not that I'm from one generation or a different or, or another. It's just that if, if I accept that I communicate one way and you communicate another way, if I have some experiences and you have different experiences, it's most important to really just stay open and listen to each other. Right. And, and let's go into a conversation where instead of competing against each other, we're actually using each other's experience to our mutual advantage, right? That's, you know, if, if I was to nutshell my four-hour workshop into 20-second soundbite, that would be it. Well, and that's the big quality of leadership too, is understanding that everyone, no matter age, no matter what your gap is, <clears throat> in experience, everyone has a quality that they can bring to the team to support the end goal with whatever it is, right? You know, I used to be a part of an organization where I got some education and it was a little bit dated in its practices, but I was able to come in with a positive, you know, mentality and understand that maybe this isn't necessarily working every single day in my workplace now. Uh, maybe there's been some change, but I can relate it. And if you come at it relating it, you can get the exact same experience that they would have got you know, 20 years if they were teaching that exact same program, right? But I had the opportunity to catch you on CTV speaking about email etiquette and some <laughs> of the training that you did around it. And, you know, is it really that bad? Like I, maybe I just work with some really great email etiquette individuals, but does it get really bad at some businesses where we can't necessarily convey the right message in our emails or? Yeah, absolutely. And, and email etiquette actually was one of the first training programs that I built to deliver. And, you know, it's it's been there for a long, long time. And the same problems that existed 15 years ago still exist today. So it does still uh, live there. And I think there's a few fundamental challenges with email etiquette. And I think I've shared with you once or twice before, it's like one of the biggest problems that we have when we are writing email is, uh, well, there's two big ones. There's, there's a time, right? So we're busy. And so we're just trying, we just mash out our email and hit send, right? Yeah. And, and so many of us are doing that. Uh, so we're not actually taking the time to even reread our message. 
And the, the funny thing is, we're, so we're being fast on the front end, but we're, we're causing all kinds of problems for ourselves on the back end because we're having to follow up on messages or, or answer uh, incorrect messages that, that didn't come across the way that we wanted to. So time is certainly one of the big challenges around email. Uh, it's, it's, it's far too easy to hit send, right? If, right? if it was more difficult to hit send, we might be in a better place. Uh, the second challenge is because we're writing and we are far away from the person that we're writing to, we usually tend to write to ourselves. You know, if, I, if somebody's listening to this podcast, I, I ask you, take a moment next time you write an email to ask yourself, am I writing to the person and their knowledge and their experience and their timeline and their pressure? Or am I writing to my needs and my knowledge and my experience? And most of the time we write to ourselves. We, we think that we're writing to somebody else, but we're really writing to ourselves. What happens when we hit send, we completely confuse the other person. And, and all I have to ask is, have you ever received an email that took you 20 minutes to, to read through and understand, or even 10 minutes to read through and understand, or that you were confused at what the person was asking for. And that's one of those situations, right? Turnaround too, just to get back on that track, right? So if somebody sends you an email that doesn't necessarily have you in it, or you have to take a certain amount of time to decode it, or you have to respond back with, you know, what exactly are we getting at here? All of that comes into time, which then comes into money, right? And it's one of the things that you always mentioned was sometimes you see people that work for their own agenda. This email is for their own agenda in the sense that they're trying to CC every single person that they can so they can see, you know, you know, it seems like or there's a stigma that if I CC as many people as I can, that many eyeballs are going to be on my amazing message. But if your amazing message isn't great, that many eyeballs have paid attention to it and that much time's wasted which also, you know, cost you in the end, maybe you can explain how that would affect your business. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's the, the whole idea of CCing, if, if that's the question that you're asking, Scott, yeah, is, is really a problematic one. And, you know, and it's funny, I hear, I get hired by leaders to teach email etiquette. And one of the first things that they almost, almost every leader says to me is, please tell people not to reply all and please tell people not to CC everybody on their email. And especially don't CC me because I'm way too busy. And it's really a problem for everybody because it, 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 you know, if you CC one person who needs to look at it, but 10 people who don't necessarily need to look at it, but what you're doing is that you're occupying those other 10 people's time because they're, they have to sift through your email to decide whether it's important for them or not. Because if they don't do anything with it, then maybe it will look bad on them if, if, if you needed them to do something. So that's the challenge around that, that whole reply all and CC aspect. You should only ever include people that really need to know or really need to act in your email and the two field is for the act and the CC is for the, you know, read it in three days and it doesn't matter kind of component. Right. Um, but stop emailing your boss <laughs> or seeing yes. your boss because it, it's just wasting their time. Well, and it sounds too that not only will you be wasting their time, but you'll be wasting your time as well. You've written this email that doesn't necessarily need to go to this individual. That's ultimately going to 
have other people bring input to you that maybe don't necessarily be need to be involved in the process. Right. And, you know, by doing that and by, you know, making it look like, you know, I've got this many people paying attention to my email, you've actually created work, more work for everybody. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, one of the big things that I, uh, you know, my, my roots are in branding and marketing, right? That's my, my roots are all about corporate branding and corporate image. And I always look at this as a branding exercise myself, Right. right. And, and if I get if I get the reputation for being the person who who CCs everybody and always is a bad communicator and is always occupying my boss's time and including people that don't need to be included, that eventually becomes my brand. That becomes my image. And so I, I and I think about it from a long term perspective is when a job posting comes up. And I put my name forward. What do I want the people who are interviewing me to be thinking? Do I want them to be thinking, wow, Bruce is a great communicator and he gets his job done and he, he streamlines his work? Or Bruce is the person who wastes everybody else's time and doesn't really know what he's talking about, so he CCs everybody. you got to think about what your brand is that you're creating for yourself when you're not communicating effectively. Well, and how true is that, right? If I created this brand of myself, so Scott was this brand where he, you know, continuously mashed terrible grammar into an email and sent it off to every single person in the corporation. When the next email comes, I'm sure people are rolling their eyes like, oh, here we go. Here comes Scott with another one of these emails, right? And that's the interpretation that people have with you, maybe a little bit of incompetence now. And, and when you're trying to present yourself as a competent individual, you know, you're, that's a strike against you, right? So I'm really interested to see how business has been with COVID. Uh, any hiccups, anything along those lines? <laughs> I would say there's more than a hiccup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's certainly like there, it's, it's a double-edged sword for sure. Uh, I, again, part of COVID I'm loving because I, I get to, you know, be in my little space and I'm, I'm really happy here. You know, from a business perspective, there's two aspects that are, that are tough. Certainly at the beginning of, of the whole COVID thing, everything got put on hold because most of the work that I used to do was all public, right? I would go into companies or I'd go to conferences and speak at conferences. Um, so everything that I did was public. And so most of that got put on hold. And then about half of it got canceled and about half of it went to uh, a, a web environment. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so certainly there's been some slowdown in, in the workflow. But the interesting thing is that people are getting much more comfortable being in the Zoom training environment. So I've seen some positive aspect of that. That said, people still do learn better, in my view, in a live training environment. And so I, where I love to be effective as possible, I don't always believe that I'm being as effective as I could be because I'm separated by a screen, right? So that's sort of one aspect of, of work is that I feel a little bit disconnected from people and things have slowed down a bit. The other part is, you know, and it's funny because while I'm an introvert and I love my space and, and I, I love being here and thinking, I love being in front of people, right? 
So push me in front of a big crowd or a small crowd for four hours or, or two days and I'm all over it, right? And I just, I feed off of it. I love it. it it's all amazing. And then I need to run home and recharge all of my batteries. Yeah, yeah. And I do miss the in-person stuff. I really miss watching people interact with each other and creating small groups and letting them work through challenges and come back with great opportunities and great learning. So, so there, there, there's all of that in, into the mix. Yeah, there is a little bit of a, a world where you feel away from everyone. You know, I'm I'm opposite in the sense that I like to get out, but mm-hmm. I'm like you also in the sense that I have a gift for the gab. You know, I'm a marketer by by trade too, and now and I don't have a problem getting in front of anybody and talking and doing that type of stuff. But I was having a conversation with a colleague the other day and just talking about you know COVID and what we've what we gained and what we've lost. And one of the things that I mentioned by working at home or being so virtual is that I've lost the element, the skill that I think is my best, which is communication in the sense of human to human form. I think I'm a great communicator in that sense. And that's one of my great qualities. And you kind of lose that in a virtual sense because I found in the training that I do, there isn't necessarily accountability, right? Person to person in the room versus, you know, being across the screen, right? That element is just I don't know. Something is just a little different about it. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I, I can definitely understand where you come from in that regard, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit different. And I, I don't think that you've lost it, Scott. I, I, I know it's it's sort of like working out where you haven't done biceps for two months. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think it's, it's just, it's going it, to, you might feel it a little bit when you get back into it, <laughs> but I, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure it will come back really easily. Well, yeah, it takes time, right? Well, yeah. Bruce... You know, I've known you when I was a little guy, you were an avid cyclist doing charity rides across Ontario. And, yeah. and I know you're a charity person. I'm really interested to hear what charity means to you. Um, yeah, charity is, is for me, it's, it's a way of uh, certainly it's a way of giving back. Right. It, it's a way of, of helping out other people. You know, there's that feel good component to to charity and to giving back. But I, in a way, it's a little bit of a selfish thing for me as well, because charity work and volunteer work has given me so much. I've met so many people that I would never have ever met before. I've seen people from different walks of life and had great conversations with them that in my, you know, little bubble, I would never have experienced that. So it has opened me in ways that I could never even fathom. And frankly, you know, it has given me an opportunity to to exercise some skills that may have been at one point underdeveloped and and develop them, right, in that that volunteer capacity and really hone them at the same time. So, you know, volunteering is, is part of who I am now. It started it started when I was actually college. I started volunteering at a hospital, going in and visiting people who didn't have anybody else to talk to. And it is just it snowballed from there. It's just a great way for me to get out of my bubble, to feel good, to do something for other people, and to learn about the world around me. Yeah, it's funny you say volunteering. I've always told everyone that volunteering is free education. 
You know, you got the opportunity to work out all your little kinks and things that are going to make you interesting or, or that you're going to be able to gain on, or maybe even work on without that ultimate price of I'm going to get fired. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and you come at it with a volunteering quality and, and come at it positively and say, I have an opportunity to learn something here. I coach basketball in this community. I've coached it for three years now. And parents come up to me all the time and say, wow, you're in the gym all the time. Like, do you get paid? And I was like, no, because what I get out of it is more important. What I get out of it is not only necessarily mentorship with youth, but, you know, being able to present myself and, and coach and think on the dime and make sure that I say the right things and I'm always professional. But, but the most important thing is that I just might impact that one youth because you know, my background and I grew up in the gym playing basketball and I love that those moments, those were my, that was my life. And if I can just impact one person in the gym, it's all worth it in the end. And that those are skills that I'll never, ever, ever get being paid at my job unless I do it myself. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and I would say it, I'm working on a program now where we're, we're designing a program to, to help high school graduates, new high school graduates, look at what their first job interview might look like and how to write their resume. And, and it's interesting, Scott, because the whole idea of volunteerism really comes out strong in that environment because you, you got to think you've got somebody that's you know just out of high school or just out of university what work experience do they really have right, right. what's what's going to differentiate them from the person standing beside them but if you can say well i you know i volunteered for this organization and i did this over here and and i i helped build that over there for this team and i you know i helped this young basketball group it really helps not only develop your own skill and your own sense of confidence and leadership and, and all of those other things, it really differentiates you in being a go-getter, uh, about not standing still, about wanting to be a leader. Like it's, it's a great way, you know, if, if, I, if, if there's any young people that are listening to this, think about how you can volunteer. Even if it's an afternoon, it doesn't have to be a, a huge you know, month after month commitment, but how can you make a difference in your community and differentiate yourself at the same time? And man, I'm, I'm telling you that employers pay attention to stuff like that and, and they love it. Well, yeah. And you build relationships as well. Like some of the relationships that I have from some of the volunteering, you know, a good friend of mine that we had on episode one, Project Impact Youth, Warren Edwards, we volunteered together youth work. We're 20 years down the line here and we're still friends, right? So that's the type of bonds, relationships that you can build, but also credibility too. You're putting yourself out there without any compensation coming back to you, which means that you are the person that has to get up to go to work or do that job that you committed to. Yeah, absolutely. Bruce, I watched you develop into what I think is one of the best consultants this country has to offer. And and I'm <laughs> I'm being honest, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if you had a person that was like you at the early stages of their career and they were really battling like what you just mentioned, trying to figure out what they need to do next, what advice would you give them? What would you say to them? Wow, uh, that's that's a brilliant question, Scott. I would, uh, you know, if, if someone's feeling lost, like I felt lost, I would say, you know what, you're more normal than you are weird. So just embrace the fact that that you don't know and it's okay. So just search out anything. Follow follow all of your passions. Follow as many of them as you possibly can. 
and see where they will lead you. And when you're feeling lost, don't beat yourself up about it. Uh, embrace it and let it be. You know, the, the second part of that, I would say, you know, take as many courses as you can, night courses or weekend courses or anything that you can think of and read as many books as you possibly can. Um, because everything is an experience and will come back to you. It's okay, you're gonna be all right. Just keep searching and keep following your passions, right? Follow your interests because your interests will lead you to where you need to be. Well, listen, our credibility of our podcast has been raised because we have you on it. I really do appreciate you. I really think that there's going to be someone listening that might, you know, reach out to you, maybe get some information from you or, or just maybe even hire you to come in and take care of some of the interesting things they need to deal with, uh, whether it be training or whatever it may be. Maybe you could give them your contact information. Uh, the best way to get hold of me is just to email me at bruce at brucemayhewconsulting.com. So it's bruce at brucemayhewconsulting.com. And send me an email and I, you know, if you want to hire me, then that's fantastic. I love that. But if there's somebody out there that just wants to, you know, talk for 20 minutes or a half hour and sort of get a perspective on something, I'm very happy to do that, right? Anybody that just needs a little clarity or a little what ifs or whatever it might be, I'm, I'm certainly happy if I possibly can to, to connect with you and to give you some support. Well, he's not lying. He is an easy conversation. He just told you the door is open. So feel free to reach out. Bruce, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Scott, love it. Thank you very much. Right. What you're doing here is fantastic. Thank you. I want to thank Bruce for coming on to the pod today. You know, 75% of the population suffers from anxiety or glossophobia. The underlying fear is judgment or a negative evaluation. This is why we are proud to announce the Level Up Speakers Community, a safe spot for people to conquer their fear of public speaking. So for more information, reach out to us on Instagram at selfcareu underscore level up or shoot us an email at selfcareupodcast at gmail.com. This is Self Care You, and we definitely leveled up today with Bruce Mayhew of Bruce Mayhew Consulting.